Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast part of the Action Network and proudly presented by Bet365. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. We've got a massive NFL show today with one of the biggest NFL podcasters in the business. I'm not officially introducing him yet. That's what's known in the entertainment biz as a tease. I am joined, as I am in every episode, by my BFF, my companion, my compadre, professional better, Mr. Simon Hunter. Hello, Simon. Hello, Chad. How you doing, brother? You are, uh, as everyone knows, you're in Hawaii uh, for God knows how long. I can't even keep up with it. But... Um, <laughs> You're wearing a little Hawaiian shirt today. Yeah. Someone sent me a nice Eagles Hawaiian shirt, so I thought I'd bust it out for uh, the NFC show. Um, definitely missing home. So anything I get from back home, I try to either wear or just, you know, incorporate into my life. So uh, that going for the Sixers as well, Chad. I was either not going to show up today or be ecstatic today. And luckily, I'm here today because the Sixers finally, finally beat Boston at home uh, in the playoffs. I know it doesn't sound crazy to people, but... Joel Embiid is 1-10 straight up heading into last night in the playoffs against the Celtics. So, not saying I gave up, Chad, but I gave up. When they came back in that game, I, I, I gave up. I'm one of those Sixers fans. I'm kind of burned out, but there's new hope. All we need is James Harden to score 40 points, and we can win every game. As you know, uh, Joel Embiid had a great line. Uh, the Celtics-Sixers isn't a rivalry because they always beat us. Yeah. Um, but as you know, as you know, uh, I'm old. And in the late 70s, early 80s, when I was just a lad, um, I, in addition to being a Bulls fan, I was a massive, massive Dr. J fan. And of course, my nickname growing up outside Chicago was Dr. C. And I could I could give you the starting lineup for the Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76ers from 1983. I could probably go 10 deep on their roster. I would play basketball in my driveway and present, pretend I was legendary spectrum PA announcer, Dave Zinkoff. And I'd announce the whole team with myself on it while I was playing in the driveway. Um, and in those early eighties years, the Sixers until they got Moses Malone could not get by the Celtics and it would give me stomach aches uh, watching them try to beat the Celtics. So I empathize with you, man. I'll say this, Chad. This just shows how you're a true American. The most American team in all of American sports, literally named after our independence, our Freedom Day, the 76ers, Chad, wearing our American colors. I love that you're a fan. And I just want to say one more thing to Boston fans, all these Boston fans talking shit. When was the Boston's last MVP in basketball, Chad? Do you know when? Uh, probably Larry Bird. Yeah. So shut the fuck up. All right. Hopefully we get a championship this year, but I cannot take these Boston fans. Like, saying congrats on your MVP. It's fun. This was a fun year watching Joel Embiid. Let us enjoy something, please, Boston fans. I did love, like, I, I love Philly fans so much. And I did love watching the crowd shots at the end of the game yesterday um, <laughs> when they it looked like they were just going to be in agony. And then yeah. they were just euphoric. And you could see them cheering before the refs officially called Marcus Spartz shot um, uh, as being too late. You could yeah. see the Jumbotron and they were going nuts. It was it was great. It was totally great. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to get to the football stuff. 
in one second with our very special guest. As a reminder, The Favorites Podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, you guys know I'm going to say it. You've heard us talk about game time so many times. They're the fastest growing ticketing app in the United States. I love game time. I use it all the time. I've talked about using it all the time. If you're looking to get out to a pro or college game this week or even a concert, game time has amazing last minute deals on tickets to all of these. I'm opening game time right now from my house. I'm looking at it. I can get into a New Jersey Devils playoff game tomorrow night, less than 150 bucks. Devils, they're scratching, they're clawing. I can get into a Yankees game tonight. The New York Yankees, six bucks. Runs the gamut, folks. No matter where you live, download the Game Time app. Get out and have some fun this week. You deserve it. And you can redeem code favorites. For $20 off your first purchase, terms apply. Again, just download the app and enter code favorites for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Reminder. You can hear us right now live on YouTube. The chat is open, live on AMP. The chat is open. Give us your questions. It's always more fun when you're interacting. Matt Mitchell will send me the questions. I promised NFL. I promised big time NFL podcaster. NFL expert, Nate Tice. You can hear him on the very popular podcast, The Athletic football show nate welcome <laughs> thanks for having me you first teased me as the biggest podcaster which i thought is very literal because i am six five so i thought that was like hey that he is not lying that is what it says on the tin it is just the uh, biggest nfl podcaster so let's just let's keep it right there we don't have to look at talk about numbers or viewership or anything like that we'll just that's what i meant height and weight right there i exactly. meant literally the biggest, the biggest podcaster. Yeah, exactly. I, I I like that. But hearing, um, you know, people that are a fan of Chicago, Boston, and Philly sports, as a person that's cheered for a team from Seattle and Minneapolis and Jacksonville my entire life, it's really funny to hear like the big city people like just go like they talk about their teams like they're the scrappy underdogs and like you know there's only a hundred thousand fans that cheer for this team ever. And it's like, and meanwhile, you look at the markets. I, I also coming in right here, Simon, by the way, is that uh, I, I was a little low on, not low. I thought the Eagles would be a playoff team this year, but like I, it took me about week seven to like fully come around on them this year. And I had Eagles fans coming after me and they're just like, no one, you know, nobody believes in us. Nobody talks about the Eagles. It's like, you guys are like the fourth biggest media market. What are you guys <laughs> talking about? What are you talking about? You're not the scrappy underdog like you think you are. Sorry. Uh, Invincible is not every year for you guys. Uh, but no, I'm sorry. But thanks for having me. Long rant to say big, 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 uh, big podcaster, literally right here, but also very happy to be here on the show. So let me ask you a question. I have a, yeah. a theory okay. that I talk about on the show all the time. Simon doesn't disagree with me, but he knows it invites um, listener ire. So he doesn't outwardly agree with me. Okay. But as someone who, you know, your father, as, you, as you've as you mentioned, um, you mentioned Seattle, you mentioned Minnesota, you mentioned Jacksonville. 
happen to be places where uh, your father was a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a theory about uh, NFL coach. I have a theory about Jacksonville and Carolina and um, to a certain extent, Tennessee, Indy, like the teams that are in the NFC and AFC South, they've got regional fan bases, will never have national fan bases. No one will ever care about them the way they care about other teams uh, that have developed more of a history over the years. I feel like their nicknames are nondescript other than the Colts and the saints, like the logos are nondescript. Like they're just not memorable as someone who is connected to the Jacksonville franchise. Tell me your thoughts on that. I I agree to an extent because they, they, those teams like the Jaguars and the Panthers, especially they have the curse of the nineties. So it's, you know, exactly when those teams were founded just by their colors, like, you know, exactly like that was the 1994, 95 teal going on there. But I also think it's those original where now NFC East teams, they, you know, there weren't as many teams back then. And so they had a more, more big fan base. And also people love winners. And if you look at, obviously you guys do, not just in a betting sense, but just people, people hop on bandwagons over the years. And I think that all those older teams, as you guys know, too, is that those older teams, they were winning a lot of games. When they break down who have the biggest kind of media following or fan following, it's all the big cities that you expect, the Giants, you know, Washington, the Cowboys. And then it was the teams that were good for the Steelers, the Packers. Like, there's no reason Green Bay should have a national following, but people love that bandwagon. That 60s, those 60s teams were really, really good, so it's easy to cheer for a winner. So I think there's that's that double whammy is that you're not in those big, big markets like Carolina and Charlotte, you know, or Jacksonville to that extent, Indy a little bit, but it's also it's not their team. That's a big thing, too. It's happening here in Vegas right now with the Raiders is Raiders. Yes, have a lot of fans nationally, but local Vegas fans are kind of like, well, it's not really our team. You know, that was L.A.'s and Oakland's and, you know, Bay Area. That's not us. But the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, but why know why the Vegas Golden Knights have a ton of fans? Because they won. They win. <laughs> they yeah. win. Everybody loves a winner. So it's that combination of big city, early big city teams, which are usually in the Northeast and some of the Midwest, but then also who was winning early on. And then those parents had kids and then kids. Oh, well, I, I grew up in uh, Arizona, but my dad was from Milwaukee. So I'm a huge Packers fan. So it's like, it's easy to cheer for winners rather than pile onto the Cardinals. So long story short, I think there is, it is tough to, build that franchise and build that fan base. And it's more of like a decade generational thing. Cause now we're seeing more Jaguars fans come up uh, because now it's been around for almost 30 years. And so now they can recall some of those guys, Tony Baselli, you know, most, some of those players that played for that franchise early. So it's kind of, you need time, but winning can really, can really amp it up a little bit, make a, uh, but we'll put some nitro into that fan base. <laughs> I haven't heard anything you've said since you said I was right. <laughs> hey that's exactly what my wife says too yeah that's like <laughs> simon i know you agree with me you just don't want to say it you're afraid of, you're afraid of people like everyone knows you don't like to go after people you don't like to get criticism on the twitter and so this keeps you from getting the criticism on the twitter i will say this once they become the london jaguars they will be the biggest team in the world chad so you hold <laughs> your literally and just wait I'll tell you what, some of those, I, I, I get it about the Twitter wrath, though. There's certain fan bases, usually Rust Belt oriented fan bases, 
that uh, if you say anything, yeah, they get mad. They get mad yeah. quick. Yeah. Buffalo <laughs> Buffalo fans are kind of cool with me, Bills fans, because I was early on going like, hey, Josh Allen's turning it around. So they, I kind of got a card with them. But then like other fan base and then Bengals fan bases fan base has been the funniest for me because they hated me a couple of years ago because I was like, they're getting lucky. They shouldn't make a run. And then they make a run to the Super Bowl. So it's like, you know, put a bowl in my brain. But then <laughs> for the last year, I was like, man, the Bengals are really turning it around. They're really coming around. So Bengals fans are all about they They hopped on our, our podcast of like bandwagon very quickly as soon as we were positive about them. But if they're in the rust belt, you know, that weather turns south and you're criticizing their team, they'll hop on Twitter and yell at you for weeks on end. All right, well, listen, we're going to talk about NFC teams. Um, and I know that producer Matt Mitchell gave us a very specific outline about how we should do this and what we should be doing. Um, and I think it's hard to transition from nondescript teams in metro areas <laughs> that are transient, uh, that also had the number one overall pick in the NFC uh, uh, in the NFL draft and then drafted a peewee sized quarterback. Um, did you have an opinion on Bryce young? I mean, you're a guy who is much more qualified than me probably is equally qualified as Simon to analyze the quarterback class and give us your take on if this was uh, the right call for the Carolina Panthers. Uh I think it's scary uh, to draft a true historical outlier uh, that there's a last quarterback under 200 pounds to be drafted in the first round was Jim McMahon in 1982. So this Jesus, is a, no way. Yeah. The last one to go in the first round, the last one to go to the first three rounds was Pat white in 2009. And so you got your, Depending on a historical outlier, I appreciate the mental side of Bryce Young. Like he does do a lot of the quarterback things well, but it's not only just his size and his weight, uh, it's the lack of kind of overwhelming arm strength or arm talent and also athletic ability. Like he is a good mover and a good athlete, but he's 190 pounds. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, he better be, he better be a good athlete, uh, but he's not a rare athlete, you know, a Lamar, a Lamar or a Mike Vick or any of those guys that are true, true plus, plus, plus athletes. And on top of it, Kyler and Russell Wilson, the guys that he's getting compared to, the shorter quarterbacks, those guys were drafted to be baseball players. They have true plus arm talent, and I don't think Bryce Young has that. And I do appreciate a lot of his game, but it's I wouldn't be betting on him as the number one pick. So I am a little scared, even if I do like his game, I do like him as a player. Uh, but I, I actually do like how the Panthers are set up if we do want to talk about that, but I'll talk about that in a sec. But Bryce Young was a little little scary for me. I ended up having him as my quarterback three in this class just because of the size and lack of over, overwhelming arm talent. Uh, those were my concerns with him. All right, so Simon, I'm going to ask you this first. I actually haven't asked you this yet in any of sort of our podcasts. If we look at the whole big picture for the NFC right now, what single team do you think has helped themselves the most this offseason? I got an opinion, but I want to hear your I opinion. mean, if we're saying just compared to what they were the last year, it's going to be the Bears. I think they have the biggest win total jump up from last year. And it's just a team that it was all there, Chad. We already talked about it. They just had the money. They had the quarterback. They just need to surround that quarterback with the pieces and build an offense around it. So the Justin Fields thing – Forever we'll talk about Atlanta passing on him, Carolina passing on him. It's just these teams that pass him will never make sense. Now he's, you know, Fields is in an amazing situation with this Bears team where you have two years now, Chad, right? You have exactly what we had with Hurts with the Eagles last year. It's like 
they're giving him the weapons. You're giving him the offense. And now there's no excuses. Like Justin Fields, he had excuses the last two years. Everything was built in for those excuses. Now it's gone. Now this is what you want as a Bears fan. So to me, we already talked about their win total. I love them at seven and a half. I think that's a nice overplay, especially in that division. It's just, again, we're going to go through all these NFC teams. It's a changing of guards. We talked about, I think, two years ago, the Rodgers, the Bradys, the Staffords. That was eventually going to flip. These guys were going to get old. This was going to change. Did it happen a lot sooner than I thought it would? Yeah, I did not think Stafford's arm was going to fall off. And, I mean, Rodgers would be out of the division, out of the NFC so quick. So, to me, it's kind of a fun, wonky year of, we already talked about, like, Hurts, is he really the number one guy in the NFC, Chad? It's kind of crazy to think that way. But the NFC, the turnover has been so insane that, you know, just, just thinking a team that improved so much from last year that could take a huge jump, it's got to be the Bears. It's just wide open there. They're in a division that they easily could win this division. People are hyping up Detroit. This is exactly where you want to be, Chad. You want to be in a division that the team that hasn't made the playoffs or they do make the playoffs or just a joke every year, like Detroit is the most hyped team in your division. So to me, the biggest jump I'm expecting will be the Chicago Bears. Well, look, right now at Bet365, uh, the Chicago Bears, I think I bet them earlier this year at 100 to 1. They are now uh, 50 to 1 at Bet365. Nate, I know on your podcast, on the Athletics NFL podcast, which is very good, um, you had interesting comments about the Bears and what they've done with their money, how they've managed it, and how they've positioned themselves for next season. Explain yourself. Oh, man. I, I say a lot of words, so I'm not exactly how. Uh, which You want me to phrase... read it back to you? Matt Mitchell sure. gave me the quote. What was it? This offseason, the Bears had a lot of money in their wallet, said the biggest podcaster of all <laughs> NFL podcasters. Literal biggest. <laughs> but they didn't let it burn a hole in their pocket. They kept next offseason's cap space and draft capital. This team is feisty. Ah, feisty. Yes, that was the term I used. Uh, also huge. Yeah, I'm also big on their overplay. I'm very bullish on the Bears, even we talk about the roster moves. I actually really like Iberflus, Matt Iberflus, their head coach. Um, what Huge the Bears? What the big, Bears? Big yeah, fan. I there's something to him. Uh, he's a ball coach, and I mean that as a comp, uh, very complimentary sense. We want these guys to be CEOs. I thought one of the coolest things that he did was as soon as he came to the Bears, he goes, "I'm not taking. I'm not doing Blake play calling for the defense. A defense coordinator's got it. I got. I got too much on my plate." I love that. I love the humbleness of understanding that I'm not a guru and I'm not like, you know, like this is my defense and letting these guys go to work. I really like the offense coordinator, Luke Getze. Um, I think that the, what they had to work with last year in Chicago was, it was bad. It's even worse than people realize the, the level of talent that that Chicago team had last year. And there's games, they gave the Eagles a fight. They're really well coached on offense and defense. And it's a classic, like can't or won't kind of thing. Uh, there people were getting on them. Like, why don't they do this? Why don't they do this? It's like, I don't think they can, because they have no talent. And that's why they can't do what you guys are yelling about them to do. Um, so I'm optimistic about that coaching staff. And then that now we're talking about the talent influx that they got. The bears are my answer for this question as well, that you guys had about who's most improved. And it was just because they had that roster or that salary cap space, the draft picks and all that. I love Darnell, Wright, The their first round pick. This year from Tennessee, he was right neck and neck with me uh, for me for Paris Johnson as offensive tackle one. 
Um, I like the defensive tackles they took on day two. I love the the running back, Roshan Johnson, and the receiver, Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. I really like those pieces as day three guys. Tyler Scott, I think, will have great synergy with Justin Fields because he's a deep threat and everything. The DJ Moore thing, the uh, part of the trade, they did everything. They did a lot of things right this offseason. Was it all perfect? Like they Did they get some edge rusher? Did they get some, you know, did they go with Jalen Carter at the ninth pick? No. But for what they were given, I, I really liked what they did this offseason. I'm with you guys where I'm bullish on their over win totals. And I think that they can make some noise in that division. And I do think they are going to be feisty. <laughs> but and on top of that, I am optimistic on Justin Fields. I'm excited to see what he can be as a thrower this year. Because like Simon said, he has no more excuses as a thrower. That Those pockets will be cleaner. He'll have a little bit. He'll have much better weapons. So I'm optimistic about him. But now it's like. Now I can't keep making up excuses about his receiver running the wrong route or running a short route. It's like, okay, let's see what you got, Justin. But yeah, I'm pretty, pretty high on the Bears this year. Uh, Justin Fields, college graduate from The Ohio State University, on his way to becoming the single greatest quarterback in the history of the Chicago Bears. But here's the thing. I can't believe I'm saying this. Look, I love the Bears. I love everything they did. I love their draft. I'm super excited about how they're managing the cap, how they're managing resources. Acquisition season has been great. I I know this is counter, but the Philadelphia Eagles, after the Super Bowl, were on the precipice of potentially falling into a contract and talent abyss, right? And we didn't know what was going to happen with Jalen Hurts. Could he get a cap for a team-friendly contract? We knew they were going to lose their top running back. There were questions about what was happening in the front seven. They were a little bit thin. Um, they lost one of their best linebackers to the Bears in free agency. Then Howie does what Howie does and makes the obvious choices, doesn't try to outthink himself or anybody else. He gets Jalen Carter. He makes really smart pick with Nolan Smith. He builds back what you need to build on the offensive line. Like I love he built the defensive backfield. The Eagles were the best team in the NFC last season. And I feel like they not only got better, but they put themselves in a position to be better for a longer period of time, also because of the contract they signed with Jalen Hurts. So I'm surprised neither of you brought that up, especially you, Simon. Homer. I mean, I feel like the general <laughs> general fans know that though. The Eagles are the best. They just went to Super Bowl. It's right. That's but my general fans issue, don't though. know that they were also in a kind of precarious position after the Super Bowl. Like they had potentially a lot of talent holes, and in the span of three months, they've made themselves equal to what they were on paper, or potentially better in the longer term. A talent hole on what though? They won. Their home game, their first home game, they won 38 to seven. Their second one, I think they won 38 to seven, Chad. So it's like, yeah, if they drop 14 points out of that, sure, maybe it'd be a little closer game. But the biggest reason the Eagles are just a boring team to talk about is no one else in the NFC improved to catch them, right? The 49ers, we don't know who the hell is going to be their quarterback, right? right? And then you go to the Cowboys. I love talking Cowboys. It's fun to shit on the Cowboys, but it's boring. It's like, okay, is Dak going to take that next step? How the hell do we know? There's just there's no team you put ahead of them. So it's kind of I get what the media was trying to make a case. The Eagles were going to slip a little bit. There was just nothing there. Like even the linebacker they lost to you guys, Chad, he wasn't that great until last year. Like he improved every year, 
but there's nothing like, you know, having people step in and run a boring zone defense. That's literally what we did last year. We ran a defense that was, we will let you stab us 99 times. But that hundredth time won't kill us. You're not going to score a touchdown here. We're going to hold you to a field goal. It's a boring defense, but it worked. I mean, once again, who knows how their defense is going to be the upcoming year, but I just know their offense. That was the whole key to this. It's like, if they keep their offense, if they re-signed Hurts, they brought back Aja, they still have Smith on the outside and Goddard at tight end. And that O-line, Chad, I just, I never really wavered about it. To me, it's just a boring team. The Eagles, we expect regression. There just isn't regression there because there's no really competitive team to challenge them. So, you know, as someone that loves good football, I think the Cowboys to them is their biggest challenger. The Cowboys, historically, when you play a divisional foe, no one's going to know you better. So that's the only team, honestly, not the 49ers. It's the Cowboys that really worry me. It's just a team that they know the Eagles really well. Like they both play each other so well every year. So I get where you're coming from. They're just... It's just a boring team, honestly, the Eagles. Like everyone's gonna bet they're over. Everyone's gonna take Hurts for MVP. It's just it's gonna be business as usual. Again, we talked about it last year. They're the first time in NFL history. First time ever in NFL's history. A new coach and a new quarterback, five years between two different Super Bowls. So it's all about Howie. That's the key here. It's like the players change, the coaches change. You got Howie, you got Stoutland, the greatest offensive line coach in football. It's all going to work, Chad. So that that's just my view on the Eagles. They're kind of a boring team. I don't want to hype them too much, but holy shit, man, are they really good? I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Stoutland, though, because it's that that's the thing too. It's like as long as he's there, Steichen can leave the offensive coordinator. It's like, hey, the 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 bread is buttered by that offensive line. So it's, it's he's there, and they always have a plan for the offense and defensive line. That's why I love about Howie's, even though he's a um, kind of stat nerds dream or at least everybody but they all want to be uh it's hilarious that he doesn't cha- like yes he chased receivers and everything but he goes no offense defensive line and like we're, we're always replenishing those positions and that's why they are in this position to do this you can drop in a quarterback and let him develop when uh, jalen hurts when he can just sit in the pocket and clean pockets and so i always just love that with howie is just he knows he knows where the strength of of an nfl team is built and he he's he has no kind of questions about that so interestingly, uh, at Beth365, the Eagles are eight to one to win the Super Bowl. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, seven to one so to funny. win the Super Bowl. Uh, and in the conference, um, the uh, hold on, I can't find it. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> hold on. To win the NFC title. What's interesting is the Eagles are three to one. The Niners are three and a half to one. Yeah. Um, and also the Cowboys also- have Mike McCarthy now too. That's his calling plays. That's the thing. Every time I, I, I get optimistic about the Cowboys, I'm like, I, I, cause I actually do like some of the things they did this off season. It's like Mike McCarthy's calling plays now. Oh God. I always just remember, always keep that in the back of your mind when you talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, uh, <clears throat> Nate. Yes. If I can read back one of your many quotes <laughs> from your it's uh, a lot of words <laughs> from the Athletics NFL podcast, Maisie Smith was the last piece this defense needed. Yeah. If these offseason moves click on this roster, watch out. Yeah. Explain, I, explain yourself. The other offseason moves just as kind of check the check that kind of conversation pieces they traded for Stefan Gilmore and Brandon Cooks on either side of the ball I I usually don't say that a 32 or 33 year old cornerback is like a really good kind of king making move 
But uh, for the Cowboys, they were able to get through with basically bottom tier second corners outside of Trayvon Diggs last year, which is kind of remarkable of how aggressive they play, how much man coverage they play. But why I said the Maisie Smith signing for uh, or a draft pick, uh, the first their first rounder this year is when they had last year, uh, when they traded for Jonathan Hankins, who's a big nose tackle from the Raiders, they traded for him. And after he came on board, their run defense just exploded in a good way. Uh, I guess exploded offense is a better way to phrase that. But they became the best run defense on first and second down in the NFL when Jonathan Hankins was on the field. And it's like, wasn't even close. And why that matters, I'm talking about Jonathan Hankins, talking about Maisie Smith. It's the same position, nose tackle. So they got a younger, more explosive, best comparison is like Don Terry Poe type nose tackle that's going to be disruptive even if he doesn't fill the box score. The rest of that defense is so fast with Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, um, even just outside of that, they're like Donovan Wilson, Jaron Curse, all these guys, they fly around. And so getting a guy like Maisie Smith to kind of shore it up and hold the fort on the interior, build through the spine of their defense, kind of lets all those skill guys, those fast guys fly around and, and go rogue. Sometimes the, their defense goes rogue and they make up for it because they're so fast. It's the opposite of how the Eagles play. Everybody's just sound, perfect zone. Everybody's sound and safe. The, the Cowboys are flying around, running around, blitz. We're running man coverage, then we'll switch it off and run cover two. So now just getting more this kind of soundness in the middle with Leighton Vander Esch as well. Um, I compared him to Makalele, the, the old soccer player. You know, kind of he was the central defender, kind of shorted up for the, the Real Madrid. I know I'm really just churning the numbers here with the, that reference right there. But I think that Maisie Smith just helps out the defense as a whole and just really – unlocks with the speed of the rest of his players. So it was a, it was a draft pick. I didn't know I wanted, you know, like when I was a neutral fan, I was like, Oh, that pairing. Yeah. I like that. And so it was one that I've gotten really excited about because what I think the repercussions of, of what will happen for the rest of his teammates on that defense. So I think there's not going to be much regression on the Cowboys defense, but you know, just the offense, we have to still figure out with Mike McCarthy calling plays. Um, by the way, the uh, Dallas Cowboys right now, Bet 365, 12 to 1 to win uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, right there with the New York, right there with the New York Jets. Um, come on. Come on. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. The Cowboys are also uh, plus 550 to win um, the NFC. I don't, I don't uh, think there's value on any of these that we've talked about. So far, but let me ask a couple of um, YouTube questions, okay? Simon, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Who is the best team to win the fewest games this year in the NFC? So what team do we think is really good is actually not going to win a lot of games, but will look good losing games? Um, I mean, I feel like the easy answer will be the Lions. It's just... They're going to be the all hype team coming into the year. I think they end of the year eight and two. The public just loves the Lions. I think most betters like them as well. Um, that just would not be shocking to me. Them not falling apart, but just them not being as good as people think they're going to be, just because it's a team that I just don't know if I'm buying in on the coaching yet. I know they retained a lot of their guys. They they did well not losing guys, but. Man, I still have a lot of questions about this Lions team. Um, I don't know if they fix a lot of their issues on defense, which was any team any team could run on the Lions. Like, that's why I'll never get why they passed on Carter. They were giving up. I mean, I feel like the Eagles set the tone for their entire season. Eagles week one, I think, ran for 200 yards on them, and that was just how it was all year for them. So 
Um, a team that I think people have high hopes for that could easily disappoint, it's got to be the Lions. The Lions is a good one. And if you're just looking at like maybe over under total and then to see who's going to miss it by that much, I would look at the Saints who are right now, I think at nine and a half, I think is their win total right now. Uh, kind of know what Derek Carr is. <laughs> and also, you know, it's is it that much difference between uh, Dalton and Jameson, uh, Jameis Winston? I almost said Jameson Williams. Let's think of the Lions. <laughs> uh, Jameis Winston kind of like, you know, tandem that we've seen there. Uh, it's just that the really, and there's a lot of players I like on the Saints. I love Chris Olave. He was my rookie of the year pick last year. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Michael Thomas, but, you know, but defensively they lost a lot, especially their defensive line. And for a team that doesn't blitz much, um, they run some, you know, simulated pressures where they bring four, but they're, they're still only bringing four. It's not a true blitz. They need rugged, badass defense alignment. And they lost three of them. Uh, this past offseason. So that defense has been such a strength the last couple of years, kind of low-key, one of the best defenses to watch and, and, and statistically as well. That Saints defense the last couple of years, I think that defense gets a drop off, even if the offense you know, gets a half bump off uh, up or a tier bump up. I just can see them like one injury and then that whole thing just, you know, house of cards just falls apart. So I think that Saints team is kind of one that's, they're towing a line or they're walking a thin line between, you know, a 10 win season or a five or six win season. Hopefully they didn't trade next year's first rounder because, <laughs> or they, they have no kind of ambition to trade any future draft picks like they like to do. So that the saints I'm kind of uneasy with, even if I do like a lot of their players. Saints are at nine and a half wins at bet three, six, five Detroit lions at nine and a half wins at bet three, six, five. Uh, nobody mentioned either of the teams that, uh, we're nearly record setting in winning one score games in which there is always some kind of regression the following season. That is the Vikings and the Giants. And if you were to say to me, if I were to answer that question about sort of which good team will lose the most games and probably look good doing it, um, it's hard not to go with the Giants. Like, they're going to be playing the Cowboys, who could be improved. They're going to be playing the Eagles, who I think are as good, if not better. Um, so why are we not talking about the Giants at eight and a half wins at Bet365 as the team that will regress the most, I guess? I, I guess saw both of them regret. Maybe in my head, I already have them regressing. So maybe the, that my discussion, I don't see either of them as playoff teams. So like uh, maybe in my own head, I was like, oh yeah, they're only winning seven, eight-ish games anyway. So maybe that's my answer with it. But I agree with maybe, especially the Giants. The Giants punched above their weight because they're so well coached. And they like, but they basically said, Daniel Jones, you're not going to ruin the game for us. We're going to have you just run play action and nakeds and then you either throw it down the field or run. And then that, that was their offense last year. And let's get Saquon a whole bunch of touches. Let's just do some pony offense. And then on defense, they are, had nobody at linebacker they had nobody really playing corner and they still were okay at times which was like again credit to their coaches so like they're they might play exactly the same this next year even with a little bit better talent and i still seem like an eight win team but the vikings though is they're trying to bridge between this like quasi reload quasi rebuild but also kind of quasi and competing right now and i think that could easily fall apart too they way 
like I think their point differential last year was 500 anyways. Like I think they actually had a, a negative point differential last year and plus the fumble luck I think they had. They've had they've so much going against them this year and on top of it they've lost some talent too. And uh, yes, I know they drafted some guys, everybody has a draft, but I do see the Vikings maybe in my head canon. I already pictured them already losing or being underwhelming and not being a playoff team, so maybe that was not my answer for the question, but I agree with that. The Vikings I can see having an easy drop off this year. Nate Tice once again agreeing with Chad Millman. Simon? <laughs> yeah, I think one of my first bets I gave out was the Giants under. It's just it feels like it's just by the book kind of play. It's a team that I didn't I didn't I put the lines over them and the Vikings. I think Nate nailed it where it's like we both everyone expects both these teams to regress. The Vikings lost, even though defense sucked last year. They lost a ton of starters from last year's defense. On the flip side, the Giants. I could see them improving, honestly. Like, they had no receivers, and Daniel Jones still somehow made it work, and they were still gritting out these wins when he would run for these random-ass yeah. third downs and run for 10 yards and get a first down. One of my it favorite bets all... last year was Daniel Jones rushing overs, like, in every yeah. game. It was the best. <laughs> <laughs> and it just kept hitting. Like, kept anytime hitting. he needed to make a play, he yeah. kept making those plays. So it was one of those that they were fortunate. They had incredible coaching. But the regression we all expect across the board for them is that – they won't have these fourth quarter comebacks. They had, I think it was four out of their first six games they had. They were down in the fourth quarter, not even single digits, double digits, and they came back and won those games. Like everyone's going to remember that Lamar game. I mean, they were losing. I think Lamar had the ball. They were up 10. I don't know if he picked it or fumbled the ball. They took it back for a touchdown. The next play, he got the ball back. He threw a pick and they scored a touchdown. It was like a walk off winner. So the Giants just had a lot of things bounce their way. I'm with Chad. I, I expect the division to be better. I mean, obviously the commanders are, they're one of those teams. People are going to be better for worst, worst team in football next year. Makes sense. But the Cowboys, the Eagles, we expect them just to be as good. And I just, you know, when I look at this giants team, they had a lot of luck out of division. I just don't see it repeating itself. Usually these coaches, when they take over a new gig, you don't have much tape on their offense. They're going to run. That's hard to really prepare for. Now you have a whole off season of the most, you know, brilliant minds in football. Yep looking at this offense, it's just going to be different for this Giants team. So I think the pressure's on the Giants because they paid all these guys. I see no pressure of the Vikings. This feels like a true tear down, burn a team this upcoming season where it's what Kirk's last, last year in the deal. Yep. They got nothing on defense. They drafted a new wide receiver, which is awesome and good. That did not address any of their real issues. That was a really stupid draft pick by the Vikings. So once again, I just, they hit a home run on the Jefferson pick. Everything else this team has done these last 10 years just does not really work, this Vikings team. So um, it's tough to say, but in that division, I got it at Lions and I got it at the Bears, and then I do have it really close between the Vikings and Green Bay. So that's how I see it shaping up in that North division. Hey, uh, Nate, uh, quick aside, I, there's a great question that came in that I want to ask that I think is really interesting. But since you have a six-month-old and before the pod we were talking about kids – I want to give you a little preview of what you're uh, headed for. Uh, okay. While we were having this conversation, my phone was ringing and it was my 16 year old son. And I know that he's home. So he's calling me from somewhere in the house. So I texted him while the phone is ringing, recording a pod uh, done in a little bit emergency question mark. He responded. Yes. The TV in basement has no sound. Oh, no. I wrote back, that's not an emergency. He wrote back, we have different definitions for emergency. <laughs> I can't wait for that. <laughs> I wrote back, 
you're funny and that's why I don't leave you with strangers. So good luck to um, Can't wait. parenting. Here yeah. is uh, here are two questions um, from listeners. This is from uh, AMP listener A Learn. And I think it's a great question. Could we ever see a defensive MVP? And the reason he's asking this is because Micah Parsons is 200 to one. We know what an insane athlete he is. We know he's bulking up to play defensive end. It's very possible this guy sets a single season sack record. Could that make him make him an MVP? Would that make him an, a value buy for MVP at 201? Simon. No, dumb bet. Cooper Cup had the greatest wide receiver season we'll ever see most likely, and he didn't even come in a sniff length of winning MVP. It's just – it's a QB award. It's just the way the league is. If we have a lockout season, I don't hate that bet. If we have a weird shortened season where it's like they're only going to play 13 or 14 games, I do not hate those kind of bets. But in a normal season, I, I just never – since I've been a pro, I mean, grown 11 years now, I've never not given out a quarterback for MVP. It's just – it's boring, but that's just the way the award goes now. Unless a running back runs for – a shit ton of yards and their team is the number one seed. It's just not going to go to anyone else but the quarterback. So I get where he's coming from. I love those kind of long shot bets, but I just wouldn't do it. I mean, is he going to have 30 sacks and is the Cowboys going to be number one seed? Because that's what you need. At 201, that's not good enough for me. I need maybe 300, 401 to really get that payoff there. You're betting on a once in a lifetime season. (laughs) Exactly. uh, Yeah, not exactly how I like to put my money, (laughs) uh, throw my money at. And even... You look at eight issues years ago, seven years ago, JJ Watt was having incredible historic seasons. I mean, if you it's looking back at those stats, it's even more comical now as, yeah. as you get further and further away from it. And JJ Watt's got a lot of, you know, good pub. A lot of people like JJ Watt, and he didn't get a vote. So that's that, yeah. I don't think a guy like Micah Parsons or anybody else like that would had to be a it has to be a perfect storm, like you said. It has to be a true, true shatters a record, true, true. 15 and two team, 14 and three team, all time defense. And then that's like, and they might even get a couple votes, much less getting the actual award. So um, I like more like a DB for defensive player of the year than a defensive player for MVP, if that makes sense. As yeah, far yeah. as kind of like an outlier bet. Uh, one last question uh, from uh, Ian from Egan. He's listening on AMP right now. Last year, Seattle was considered horrendous heading into the season. By Christmas, they were contending for that playoff spot. Who is this year's Seattle? Nate, as a Seattle backer, I'll start with you. Ooh, I was a Seattle backer last year. I had, I had, I had, them, I had over wins. I didn't have playoffs, but I was like, I had over on there because I like. So I was a fan of Gino. Um, if I had to pick a quote unquote a Seattle this year, it'd be the Falcons. Uh, just that division, what the tape makeup that offense is. I'm a big fan of Arthur Smith and his offensive guruship. Uh, I really do think he is kind of an underrated play caller right now because people are too fascinated with Kyle Pitts's box score stats as opposed to what he actually does as a play caller and a play designer. I think the defense will not be great. I think they struggle to even be like 18th in any advanced metrics, DVOA or, or, or success rate or anything like that. But if they can get to that level, 20th, 18th on defense, I think this is a legit top 10 offense. They were 12th last year in DVOA, 12th in um, EPA per play. I think they were fifth in success rate as an offense last year. And that's with Marcus Mariota throwing half the throws into the stands. 
Uh, like so, and Tyler, Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson at running back. Now they got Bijan. I'm a fan of Desmond Ritter. I don't think he's going to be like a superstar or anything, but I do think he could be an averageish quarterback in this league or above average. He can get to that golf tier. That, that's that's kind of like my threshold. Can he get to the golf tier? And I do think Ritter can, in a perfect world, get to that. And they're giving him no excuses. So. Falcons, I'm pretty bullish on because I do like their offense. And I think their offense could be really, really good. And I think the defense did get an injection of talent as a, a defense coordinator from the Saints that will kind of change things up of how he attacks. And I, I do like that. I think Dean Pease kind of ran his course as an NFL defensive coordinator, even if I really respect Coach Pease. Um, but I really like where the Falcons are going as a team. And I think they could surprise some people this year. First, we are, we are <laughs> an Atlanta Falcons podcast. We always have been. Uh, to our detriment, we always will be because <laughs> they are always the team that is undervalued in the market uh, because you know why? They're an NFC South team and nobody yeah. gives a fuck. Uh, but if I can quote you back, Matt Mitchell did such good research before this podcast. It was one of the teams that he uh, quoted you on. Okay. Quote, this team is clearly all in on their weird offensive identity and I'm into it. I'm bullish on Arthur Smith and this actual positionless football. Simon, you can have one minute to give an answer for uh, Ian from Egan's question about who is this year's Seattle. I don't want people to to walk away from here not having your opinion on this question. I mean, my favorite left for dead, nobody believes us, us team easily this season is going to be Arizona. Arizona – they're terrible. They've lost. They've gutted their team. What do they have that's left, though, Chad? Kyler Murray. And we know this kid, when he's right, I mean, he's obviously one of the top five best quarterbacks in the NFC. Like, the NFC just doesn't have good quarterbacks in that. So, to me, at four and a half, he's worth the risk of taking it over. It's like that Watson last year in Houston where I think they're over-under with six and a half. People are pounding the under. I think it might have, they might have went six and ten, but it's one of those where – I agree. Arizona's horrible. I don't think they're going to win any type of Super Bowl, but four and a half wins, I could easily bet that over. It's the same thing where Seahawks weren't that good of a team, but they had the pieces there and they got lucky in different games. So um, to me, if Arizona keeps New Hopkins, they keep Kyler Murray head into the season, I don't hate them to be a team that could easily go over four and a half. This has been the NFC podcast version of the favorites, reviewing everything that's happened during acquisition season i want to remind everybody as i always do that we are proudly presented by bet 365 the world's favorite sportsbook brand sign up with promo code action to get bet 365's exclusive sign up offer bet one dollar on any game and get two hundred dollars in bonus bets must be 21 or older offer is available in colorado new jersey ohio and virginia gambling problem Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER for Nate Tice. He is the biggest podcaster in the universe. <laughs> when it comes to the NFL, you can hear him on the popular athletic football show for Simon Hunter, for Matt Mitchell, for Barbara Alberts, who's producing us on the YouTube where you can catch us live. Thanks for the questions. I am Chad Millman. Download us from Apple, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, leave us five stars, say whatever you want. Until next time, we're back on Thursday with the AFC. Love you. Action. 
Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.